are there times where if they're at affiliate or just like th throughout their year mm -hmm. where you leverage class? Oh yeah, definitely. What are the scenarios? Um, potential burnout. You know, if someone's just like tired of grinding. Yeah. On their own. Yeah. It's like they need a break. I love leveraging class after like a competitive exhale. So yep. like they hit a competition, we take their downtime. Yeah, hey, like post deload. hundred percent. It's yeah. like, Hey, let's do some class. Like class is not a deload, but it can be like a, it's an emotional deload. Re revigoration. hundred percent. Yeah. It's after. not a physical deload. Yeah. That's a great way to think about like a social, emotional deload. The fitness movement is brought to you by Zor Fitness. We offer coaching and individualized program design, as well as educational content for coaches and athletes. It's all at one place, zorfitness.com. What's up, man? How's it going? It's going pretty good. In the studio for the first time. The Zor motherland. <laughs> <laughs> Lumber Capital Athletics. Yeah, so today we kind of want to talk about group classes for the competitive CrossFit athlete. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think as remote coaches who've worked with the people from, you know, a variety of competitive levels for people who are just completely general fitness, like we've both had personal training clients who are very not good movers who don't really think about health and fitness the same way that we do all the way up to people who are trying to be the very best to make a career out of fitness. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there's, there's quite a spectrum that we work with. Um, and we kind of want to talk through like which of those people is classes appropriate for and which is it not. Um, and how might that change based on the circumstances of your individual gym? Because CrossFit is not a franchise and every single one is a little bit different. So it really depends on what you got going on. So we want to start with group classes for non-competitors. So mm -hmm. people who care more about just health and fitness. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say, I think we can offer a pretty unique, maybe not unique, but a good perspective on this being that you own a gym, runs group classes. I work for a company who runs a couple of different gyms that runs group classes. We do, both do individualized programming. We've do, both done personal training. And I feel like a lot of people in the space fall really far on one side or the other yeah or at least the messaging that they put out I yeah should say. that's very true like a lot of people are either heavily invested in the remote coaching thing where of course they're not going to recommend classes correct because their business is not going to thrive if that's what they recommend right uh or vice versa where they're like peddling classes because they own a gym and a facility and like they want to do well right so and for us it's like yeah we do sit in the middle yeah and and not only do we sit in the middle but i feel like we believe really strongly in both depending on the person mm -hmm. and for us it's like group whether it's group classes personal training individualized remote programming they're all like a tool in a toolbox and so it's like finding the right tool for the right person um not just from a movement perspective but obviously also from like what they want to do mm -hmm. yeah i think some of the most underrated things about classes is like just the the environment that you're in 100 like, percent like you're with other people and it's way more easy to be compliant with a program when you're doing it with somebody else. Like right. if you are, even if you're not doing an optimal program in the sense that like you're following like a, a group training program and say it's not even in classes, it's just like 
a bunch of people doing like the same like blog style workout plan mm -hmm. like it's actually not a bad option because you're with a bunch of other people also right. doing the same thing yep and there's a lot that just like advantages of having that camaraderie and like doing it alongside other people yeah absolutely and i mean we're going to get into some kind of more specifics but uh, you know i've rode the spectrum of this we've talked we've talked about this like i've had an individual coach i had an individual coach for three years then i programmed for myself for probably about two years and then now it's at the point where between kids and work, you know, it's like, okay, uh, not only do I feel like I don't want to, to find the time to dedicate towards, you know, trying to train two to three hours a day. And so it's like, all right, I got an hour. My goal, my personal goals are not as surrounding the sport as it was last year, the year before, the year before that. And so I take class. Um, and so it's like, I, I've been able to do all of those. And for me personally, now it's like very similar to what you said, right? Like I could work out on my own and I'd get the job done and I'm probably more productive than the vast majority of the public working out by themselves, right? But it's way more fun for me to be in class. And for me, it's way more fun to be in class because I don't have these like big athletic goals at this point in my life any longer. Yeah. And also, like, for me personally, like, there's times where, yeah, like, I still have competitive goals. So, like, and we're going to get into this, but obviously class isn't always appropriate for people that are trying to compete in the sport. Right. But uh, because it probably should be written for people who don't want to compete in the sport. Right. We can debate that. <laughs> but I would definitely argue about that with anybody. And uh, <laughs> I would say, like, there's 100% times where, even for the competitive athletes I coach for as well as my myself as a competitive athlete, like that I leverage the class environment to either elicit my best performance mm -hmm. or just to like constrain the time I have in a session mm -hmm. where like literally, for example, if it's like a 9 a.m. class and I'm like, hey, I'm going to jump into the 9 a.m. class today. It's like it starts at 9. <laughs> <laughs> like my individualized <laughs> session, it could start at 9. It could start at 9.10. It could start at 9.50. Like right. I can start whenever I want. Right. So it's kind of nice having a little bit of pressure just like, hey, this is when it starts. And whether you're there or not, it's going to run. Right. So you got to get in the door. Right. It's kind of nice. Yeah. So you had mentioned something about non-competitive athletes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So let's go there first. I think this is a really important maybe contrast to the competitive athletes as well. So generally when we, when I say non-competitive, it's like, to me, like I I've said this before, but I don't think there really is such a thing as like a GPP, like athlete sort of thing. Like, okay. like everyone has a goal, right? Like it, it's just like their goal might be to be able to play with their grandkids or to uh, go hiking on the weekends or to look at naked. But that's not like general. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's like a general fitness program can feed into those goals, but their goals are not to be generally fit. Yes. My goal is not to have well-rounded fitness. My goal is to play with my kids, right? And yeah. then you as the expert could be like, okay, cool. Like there's a way to have well-rounded safe fitness to allow you to do that. Yeah. So let's dive into this. I would say there's a few people in my mind that I think group classes are not for. And it's probably the, again, we can go into this, but a very experienced competitive athlete mm -hmm. who just needs a lot more development of things outside of that. But on the non-competitive side of things is people with severe mobility restrictions where class would just be like a, a, a liability to them, frankly, mm -hmm. or they're in uh, a uh, group environment where the classes are big 
where mm-hmm. they're going to get thrown to the same scaling option multiple times in a, in a week mm-hmm. where pretty much every time they go there, like for example, if they got like some really crazy stuff going on with like a limb on the lower body, they're probably going to be like on the ski erg all the time. Every cardio piece. <laughs> yes. And it's like, do you really want to come in and ski like four times a week? The answer might be yes, right? <laughs> because they're with other people. Right. But oftentimes it's like if you have someone and they do have a little bit more autonomy and they, they're okay on their own a little bit more of the time, maybe we take them a different route with the, with the way that you go about it. Mm-hmm. How do you think about it? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you were to look at it as a spectrum or like a bell curve, right? The way I kind of think about it is at one end of the bell curve, you might have people who have, for lack of a better term, I'll say severe limitations, right? And then on the other half of the bell curve, you have like, like CrossFit Games athletes, right? And I would say for class, and let's, let's clarify this. This is something we said off air, like, and we're full disclosure, a hundred percent completely biased, right? But <laughs> like, but when I, when I say class, we're talking like classes at Lumber Capital Athletics, classes at CrossFit Roseland, Sparta Station Athletics, Sparta Station Athletics for her, CrossFit Steam, our gyms, right? Where it's like well thought out, well programmed, you know, it, cause that's the tough it's part. Like asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Well, well, I mean, and it's tough to do that because unfortunately I think CrossFit gets a bad name in the sense that it's like, Yes, every gym can do something different because it's not a true franchising. And all, we just said last night, all you need to open a gym is three things, a bank account, a pulse, and a level one. And it's like, <laughs> the pulse is a very important Very one. important. Um, Don't try to get it if you're dead. Yeah. So it's like you could open that stuff and really not know what you're doing and really mess people up, right? But that could happen at like boot camp. Exactly. YMCA. Right. So, so that's not unique to CrossFit in that regard. With all that asterisk in place, right? Assuming class is well-programmed, well-run, I think... And that you have a good floor coach. Of course. I think people at the ends of the bell curve, it's probably not appropriate for. Yeah. Now, how far into the bell curve, I think will vary. Yeah. Right? Like you touched on it. You might have a gym. Let's use CrossFit CrossFit Invictus as an example. Mm. Right? extremely competitive, well-known name in the space, right? You might have a quote competitors class where it's like, okay, we've inched into this side of the bell curve a little bit more where it's appropriate, right? Or like what we do with the name game, right? Where most of the people, a lot of the people who get individual program get individual program, but on Saturdays we throw down. And the reason why we do that is to get a competitive stimulus that push like, but we don't do it all the time. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you're going to have people who are severely limited. And like you said, you know, I've seen this. It's like, I, you know, we got rowing today and like you can't row. Like all right, we'll ski or right, we'll yeah. bike. And it's like you're always on the same piece of equipment. We're just like, like, dude, you're like 50 years old. You've had three shoulder surgeries. Right. Like, like, yeah, you could come into class on overhead squat day and you could either like try to do it with like like a trainer bar that's like completely bent elbows and yeah. like it looks like garbage or you could pick a different variation. But at the end of the day, it's like, then you're probably squatting some other time in the week. And now mm-hmm. it's, you're getting a lot of contractions on areas of your body that maybe wasn't intended based mm-hmm. on the original intent of that programming. Right. So it starts to change a lot. If someone's intelligent and they can listen to their body and they might not move well, but they can be smart about it. Mm-hmm. And again, they're working with a floor coach who has experience that could work. Right. 
you inch into that side of the bell curve more, yeah. right? Like you mentioned, or even we talked about class size, right? If you're a relatively new gym and your classes have three to four people in every class, it's way easier to be like, hey, let me, I'll just write you something right now, yeah. right? Or you have a situation where the person on the floor most often is the person who owns the gym is also the person who's programming because yeah. they're a relatively new gym. And so it's like that person has the full picture of what maybe the next week or two look like. It's yeah. like, okay, well, let's do this versus a gym who maybe has been around for 10 years, has 300 members, 20 people per class. It gets infinitely harder yeah. to if do all that. If you have 20 people in class, you are literally a phys ed teacher mm -hmm. in the sense that your job is to I'm not making this as addictive phys ed teachers because we were both phys ed, <laughs> we were both phys ed teachers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, your job is to like manage the space, manage yes. your time, make sure you're on the, the correct time stands for the, the, the lesson plan. Like, and it's making sure that no one hurts themselves. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's the essentially and, what your job and is. Listen, like you can get around and cue people and help people, but it's like, like when the moment class starts, if you have classes that are consistently that big, you're working for that hour. Right. Yes. Um, and so again, depending on where you're at, that can inch the bell curve in or push the bell curve out. But I think people at the ends of the spectrum class is probably not best for yeah. best for them, depending on what their goals are. Yep. So let's go to those two ends of the bell curve um, for now. Let's say that we have someone who's a really poor mover. And what maybe what what's a, a scenario where the, uh, like personal training, like one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one with someone who's there who can correct their, their movement in real time is actually there you know, counting the reps, so to speak. Right. Like when is that appropriate? Yeah. I think for me, again, you said poor mover. I mean, we both could probably come up with a bunch of people off the top of our head. We will not name those people, but, um, you know, I've had people, especially people who are elderly, um, who don't like, they just don't move well at all. They're locked up. Maybe they haven't, you know, there was, um, I remember very vividly, having a gentleman in a sales consultation and he's, he, I was like, when was the last time you, just the conversation led to like, when was the last time you worked out? And he was like, I don't know, 1976. And then it's like, uh, okay. Um, at least, you know, or, or there was a gentleman who came in for our challenge the other day who had a cane and I went through the full consultation was like, uh, afterwards my coach yeah. was like, you sure that's a, it's a good idea for that guy. And it's like, you're a hundred percent right. Like this guy needs personal training. Yeah. And I think having, again, whoever's doing that consultation to have enough experience to say, you know, obviously we're a business and we're trying to make money, but mm -hmm. this isn't appropriate for you. Yeah. And I mean, in our gyms, we've been a, like that guy who hasn't worked out since 1976. Like he took class and got amazing results. Um, and we were able to scale immensely for him. Right. But, um, he was pro he moved well enough, right? Um, but I've I, I have personal I've had personal training clients where it's like, you know, they're we're starting with body weight squats to a twenty four inch box. Like it's just like, all right, we're we're starting from scratch basically. And so for those folks, personal training is probably the best way to go. So let's go to the other end of the bell curve now, and it's people who are competitive athletes. I mean, most competitive athletes. If you've been around for any length of time mm. or significantly above that bell curve already, yep. just from the fact that like you're probably younger, you're probably already a little bit more health oriented. Likely you played some sports growing up. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that competing is an option as is like something on your radar probably already means that you're above 
majority of the population. Yeah. And I think some clarification might be a good idea where at least in my head and, and you probably can relate to me, there's a difference between a competitive athlete and someone who likes to compete. Um, I know for our gyms, we have a lot of people who take class who like, who love doing competitions, right? CrossFit competitions, but they're a mother, a father, a three, they have a full-time job. Like, like they're, they're not a competitive CrossFit athlete. You know, they're someone who, who likes to compete in CrossFit. Um, and to me, those are two totally different things, right? Like we have some people who work for us who are competitive CrossFit athletes. They're training twice a day in between their sessions. They're doing work for us, obviously, but they're focused on the competitive CrossFit season. They have sponsorships, you know, they're, they're competitive CrossFit athletes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I I think one of the the things that I've probably started to separate a little bit more in my mind is just because someone comes to me and they want coaching and they say they're a competitive CrossFit athlete, the the program that I put them on mm-hmm. versus like a CrossFit athlete who's like my life revolves around this yes. and like I, this is like my number one priority in my life. Like those two programs differ more than a someone who likes to compete in class. Like mm-hmm. they're just a competitive person by nature. Yep. And the person who says they want to compete. Like those two programs look more similar. Oh, very than similar. Than the two people who call themselves CrossFit competitors who have very different lifestyles and very different priorities <laughs> right. set in place. Yeah. So like the f- the second two you mentioned, right? Someone who wants to be a competitor versus someone who wants to take class because they like competing in class and like being competitive. The main difference in there more often than not is I think, I think skill work. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, okay, like as far as the pure, like, driving up fitness and strength stuff, that stuff's probably pretty similar, but it's like this person who wants to be more competitive. It's like, okay, we're going to take some more time on gymnastic skill work. Cause there's still skills you don't have yet or hammering home positions in certain lifts because you're just a little off there. Right. Yeah. Versus the competitive CrossFit athlete who's going to semifinals, finishing top 10 to semifinals, going to the CrossFit games. It's like, they're training two, three times a day. You know, their progressions are way more advanced. The volume is insanely higher. You know, there's a huge emphasis on, you know, zone two aerobic base building work. Um, strength work looks, looks, can look different. Right. So yeah. that gap, yes, is much bigger. Yeah. hundred percent. What you just said is like what a lot of my programs look like, like for the people who I'm like, Hey, it makes sense for you to leverage the environment of class to get that in-person coaching. And I understand that you want to continue to grow as an athlete mm-hmm. and, you know, do competitions sometimes. And like, that's sort of your competitive outlet mm-hmm. and you enjoy calling yourself an athlete. Mm-hmm. You are an athlete. Yep. Um, for those people, it's like, Hey, let's, you know, get into class on these days. Let's maybe do some focused work before or after that session based on what it is. Often it's skill work, often it's positional work. Mm-hmm. Um, Often it's just touches of things that they're not getting in class enough. And then maybe we start to sprinkle in some individualized sessions on days where it's makes sense, where either the class workout is something that's really fundamental that maybe you don't need a lot of touches on mm-hmm. or whatever. It kind yep. of just based on, on their schedule. Um, where do you start people if they're like, 
they're doing class a lot. They come to you. They want to start an individualized programming. Mm-hmm. How often is it like you pull them out of that completely and go like a hundred percent individual design mm-hmm. versus like some sort of a hybrid program? And if it is a hybrid program, like how do you work that practically? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the classic example is it depends. Right. And so if I get someone who is like, you know, I want, I want to get better at CrossFit. I want to be more competitive and I want to get an individualized program. Cause that's something, you know, I feel like I need to do right. And we kind of skimmed over it. So before I get into that, you know, with, with like the CrossFit games athletes, right. People see those people and let's face it, guys, they're either a programming for themselves and, and maybe having an outside coach working with them, or they have a team of coaches, which is like, I have a row coach, a running coach, uh, you know, uh, uh, an Olympic lifting coach to work on those specific skills. And then this is like, I think where the sport is and where the sport is going is an athlete has one like centralized, almost like MMA. You have like a centralized coach. They're, they're in charge of like organizing everything. Correct. Correct. And making sure that you're not getting pulled too far in one direction. Correct. And so it's like, they'll write the design, but then they'll say, okay, Hey, for weightlifting, you know, coach so-and-so is going to come work with you. Cause they're the weightlifting coach. Yeah. Right. And for strongman stuff coach we're going to work with coach so and so because uh he you know he's a former professional uh strongman so he's going to go over the skills with you there i think that's a really good example because the sport of mma is not wrestling correct sport of mma is not striking like so you have to have someone who can put all those pieces together correct and like you have to be good at putting all those like if you get hyper focused on wrestling and mma you're gonna get knocked out right (laughs) whereas like it's the same thing like if you get too focused on having these perfect positions in your weightlifting like you're gonna forget that you have to do touch and go power cleans in a metcon right and and someone needs to be there to balance that because you know you might be someone who you know you go to the the wrestling coach for mma and you do this hard training session and then it's like, all right, well, I got to go to striking. Exactly. And it's like, okay, hey, we got to take it easy with our striking. We're going to work on skill, right? Similar with when we write programs where it's like, all right, hey, someone has a squatting limitation. So we we did 10 sets of two back squat yesterday, right? Like we're not going to do 150 wall walls the next day, right? <laughs> so there's there has to be some intelligent programming there. So that's kind of with the CrossFit Games athletes. So kind of coming back, you know, when I get someone who's the majority of not the majority of people, but the majority of people looking to be more competitive, yeah. right? They're not already crossing majority of people that come to us. Right. So with those folks, most of the people I talk to are like, I want to do this. I want individual attention because I know there's certain things I need to work on. I've been taking class for this long. I've gotten better at the sport, but when you've been doing class for long enough and you have competitive aspirations, you eventually realize I'm not good at these things. And, and we if are I not continue hitting, to do this, right. I will in five years still not be good at these things. Because naturally in class, you don't touch on those things as often as you need to touch on them to get better at yeah. them. And so they come to me and they're like, that's what like, I want to do. Sorry, Chris, we're not going to back squat three times a week. Exactly. Right. And so it's like, okay, cool. Let's do this. And then often they throw in the caveat, but there's this class on Saturdays. Like yeah. I work out with my husband or I work out with my best friend. Like yep. I need to keep that. And my initial reaction generally is, okay, I'll do the best I can. Yeah. And the reason why I do that is because we haven't built up trust yet. They're new and I'm new to them. And so it's like, okay, 
I can't push them too far. Or if they're like, I want to take classes a certain number of times a week, I'll be honest with them. Like if they're like, I want to take class three, four times a week still, I'll say, okay, but just so you know, I won't be able to do certain things if we do that. My recommendation, why don't we start with two classes a week and then my stuff the other three days? Yeah. And they'll be like, generally they'll be like, oh, okay. And I'll give them some guidelines, right? Because frankly, this that situation is not ideal unless you're coaching someone at Lumber Capital Athletics and you know the program. Or I'm coaching someone who works out at one of our four gyms and I know the program. Um, but I start there. And then usually what happens is they slowly start to see jumps in progress. Yeah. And these people are type A. They're very goal-oriented. And then they're like, huh. This is working. Yeah. <laughs> Screw class. I don't want to do that anymore. Right? And so yeah. then they're like, I, I'm getting way better at this, way faster doing this. Or, you know, I had a, a, a woman who she was very set on doing Saturday, Saturday workouts with her husband when we first started. Yep. And uh, she quickly realized she was getting so much better with what we were doing the rest of the week. And then factor in that at the time I had my own separate programming company, I started to do at uh, Saturday throwdowns. And she was like, I she do would, those. yeah, well, she, and she would get beat. And it's like, oh, I need to be doing this if I, I can't be, you know, one foot in, one foot out. Exactly. And yeah. so that's kind of usually for me how that transition works. So at least for me, I'm, I'm guessing this is also your experience, is uh, a lot of the people that I work with who are not members here, because mm -hmm. I, wrote, I wrote the programming here, so it's so nice to have, oh, this is what the next week is, and I know this is what the next month is mm -hmm. going to look like in terms of priorities, and I know this is where the map of the entire year goes. So I have all of the context for that. Right. Uh, and I know exactly what it's going to be, so it's super easy for me to tailor that to what they need. So... The people that go here, it's like an ideal scenario where I can mix and match exactly how I want to do it. And knowing their schedule, we can completely play with that. Yep. But most of the time, that's not the case. So if we are in the remote coaching setting where that person's not at your gym and they're like, well, I'd love to keep a, a touch on class, right? Mm -hmm. Do it individual sessions three times a week and do class twice a week. Mm -hmm. How often do you have those athletes where it's like, this is what is going to be on those days or here. I send these at least a week in advance where you can actually build out my program around these things. The class, how, the how class often workouts. does that happen? Zero. Yeah. yeah that's been my experience. Never. It's like, even if that gets said, it never happens. Never happens. It, I am completely blind every single time I've had an athlete in an affiliate other than my own, which is tough. Yeah. It's super it, tough. It's, it's tough. Might be an understatement. <laughs> it's, it's you're completely guessing as a coach. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately you have to kind of set that expectation like hey just to let you know like we can start this and we'll do what we can i'm shooting blind here yeah and so because of that i'm gonna do it's like writing a program without any feedback yeah actually maybe worse because you're probably gonna have <laughs> interference with what they actually program well, in class well and that's exactly it and so you have to be super intelligent about <laughs> i say intelligent but again you're shooting blind it intelligent about like, okay, well, what do I put on what days then? And how much do I put on those days? Right. Because it's like, knowing I, that they're going to get a dose no of who knows idea, what. Right. Like I, yeah. can, I can, I can't give them a hundred chest bars in a workout. And then it's like the next day they have chest bars and it's like, <laughs> Oh, you're doing a hundred again. Oh, okay. Yeah. And oftentimes that athlete will do them. A hundred percent. Just do it. Yep. I'm like, 
You didn't but, want to modify that at all. <laughs> right, but then, but again, it has to be the conversation because it, in those examples, and I try very, very hard to set expectations because we've been doing this long enough where people, unfortunately, and, and not people necessarily we've worked with, but I've heard stories where it's like, oh, my friggin' coach, blah, 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 blah. Or, mm. and it's like, that exists, right? In every profession, there are people who are not good at what they do, but it's like, you're setting your coach up for failure, a potential failure, higher increased rate of failure because they don't know what those other days look like. Right. And so setting the expectation of like, Hey, this is what we're going to do because of that. There's a chance this scenario could arise. If that arises, do not, this is your job. Right. Just to not do the same thing. Right. In an irresponsible volume back to right. And, and then yeah. when, if, if that were to happen, as a coach, you've set yourself up, not to say I told you so, but so, kind of say I told you so, not it, not to say I told you so to stick it to the client, but it, kind of be like, hey, all right, we're here. We're going to rehab this issue. Yeah. We talked about this, though, and this is why we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, often you can't tell them. You have to, like, let them see it first. Yeah. And that's, that's the way it is with a lot of things. Like, I can't tell somebody that they have to do muscle-up development three times a week, mm -hmm. but when they don't go to quarterfinals because they didn't have it for the open. It's like, do you want to go to quarterfinals? And right. It becomes a really easy conversation for that. Right. It's the same sort of thing. Like, Hey, I told you this was going to be the case. Like here it is right in front of you. Yeah. And you don't have to make it. I told you so conversation. It could be no, like, I don't think it is that way. It's more like, Hey, you know, last time we talked, you said these were your goals. Um, we're working to get towards though, but you know, this is kind of working against what we talked about. Right. And so if your goals have changed or your priorities have changed, that's totally fine. Just let me know. We'll work. We'll, we'll change yeah. things up. But if they haven't changed, then we need to make some adjustments. And this is why. Is that something you're willing to do? Mm -hmm. So let's say we got a more experienced CrossFit athlete. Are, are there times where for those people who are, let's say they're very rarely in classes. Mm -hmm. So you're writing mostly individualized uh, sessions for them. Mm -hmm. Are there times where if they're at an affiliate, or just like th throughout their year mm -hmm. where you leverage class? Oh yeah, definitely. What are the scenarios? Um, I mean, I had an athlete who was, I mean, potential burnout, you know, if someone's just like tired of grinding. Yeah. On their own. Yeah. It's like they need a break. Um, I love leveraging class after like a competitive exhale. So yep. like they hit a competition, we take their downtime. Hey, yeah, like post deload, hundred percent. It's yeah. like, Hey, let's do some class. Like class is not a deload, but it can be like a, it's an emotional re deload, reinvigoration. hundred percent. Yeah. It's after, not a physical deload. Yeah. That's a great, great way to think about like a um, social, emotional deload. Right. Because a lot of times, I mean, in, in a remote setting, um, a lot of these athletes are working out by themselves. Now you have the occasional athlete. Like I know one, like we talked to Blair a while back. Mm. Uh, she has a woman, Raina, who they link up and she does all her workouts. Um, now they scale for her, right? But for Blair, that's awesome. Just have another person there. Yeah. Um, but that's not necessarily the scenario for a lot of people. Um, for me, who works at a gym, right? When I was doing my own programming, it was great. Me and the staff worked out at one o'clock. And so I always had people there. Um, but if you're always working out by yourself, like I have an athlete who works out early, like five in the yeah, morning. Especially if you're like, it's even helpful to have someone else there in the facility yes. when you're doing your session, even if they're not doing the same thing as you. Yeah. We're like, social, we're if, social animals. Yeah. Like if I'm doing 
you know, muscle ups and snatches on Monday and you're doing back squats, like, and you're in the rack next to me, I am actually more motivated to keep doing what I'm doing yes. than if you weren't there at all. Right. And so that's kind of what I like to do is like, all right, Hey, let's just take a, an exhale. All right. We've let your body recover. Uh, your brain's recovered a little bit, get into class, have a good time. Don't think about training. Cause that's the other thing is like, when you're have competitive aspirations, you have to be very intentional about what you're doing. If you want to actually get the results, you have to be thoughtful about your workout, thoughtful about maybe adjusting based on how you feel. Like there's a lot of brain power that goes into that. And so to kind of like throw that to the wayside and say, Hey, someone's going to do all this thinking for me. And I'm just going in there and I don't care what's on the bar. Yeah, the reason why people do classes in the first place. Exactly. And so I'll, I'll I leverage that with my athletes all the time. Post the season, it's like, hey, go take class for two weeks and then we'll reconvene. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do that a lot. I think other times that I have here um, that I, I think about is travel. Yep. Um, so someone's not going on vacation. Stacy will go to Florida sometimes. I'm like, hey, here's three floater sessions that you could do that are individual design based on your priorities. And work these around what they got going on in class, but class is like your goal to do like, yeah. to get that in every day. Yep. And like, if you get to this other, you know, goodies, great, but that doesn't matter nearly as much as like, Hey, go in there. And, and again, oftentimes the reason I do that too, is because the gym situation is often completely unknown. Like right. We don't know if they have open gym, like Sam Hagen just went to uh, Turkey. Okay. And it was like, he's like, man, we have no idea what the, the gym situation is going to be. So it's like, Hey, like here are some floater sessions, get these in if you can. And then it's like, yeah, just yeah, do you what you can do what you can. Literally. Right. So, and, and you can do for, again, just to speak on someone with competitive aspirations or a competitive athlete, like the, these are situations where it's like, okay, we have things going on. Let's just maintain fitness during this week. And then, because, you know, we've all been there, you take a week off, you travel or whatever. And then you come back and that first session just feels like garbage, you know, matter, you know what I mean? No matter what. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, let's just maintain fitness. Let's maintain some workouts, even if it's like three times that week. And then you come back and you don't feel bad during your first session and can kind of pick up where you left off. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. And then I would say the other times that I might do that again, this is more for like my athletes here because most of the time I don't know the premier of the gym. Right. And I, and I'm not going to go out of my way to try to find it every single week. Like, <laughs> like that's just unreasonable yep. to be honest. Um, but for example, if I know that we're going to test the CrossFit total and we've been going through the strength progression for them and it fits and it makes sense. Yeah. Why not? Why not leverage it? class? Yep. Right. Like the, the environment's going to be incredible. There's yep. going to be a bunch of people there cheering each other on. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So like, why not? Like if it's the time to get amped up and like crush it, like, mm -hmm. why not leverage class? Mm -hmm. Why not leverage class for Friday Night Lights for the mm -hmm. Open? Um, why not leverage your community of people for a quarterfinals test or something? Right. right? Um, so those are the other times that I think it's like, I definitely, it's like, if class makes sense and it lines up, use it. Right. And then, I mean, just to go back to the topic at hand, and then in the beginning we mentioned the bell curve. For us, everyone else in the middle, classes couldn't be more appropriate for. And again, it's, you know, people, there's going to be some adjustments to that. Like you might have someone who is like a real super duper fit, former games athlete that just doesn't want to do it anymore. That's not their goal. Yeah. 
they they fall in the middle of that bell curve. Yeah. Fitness wise, they fall on the end. Yeah. But because of their goals, it's like just go take class. You know. Um. And I think class again, well structured, well programmed, good floor coach is appropriate for the vast majority of people. Agreed. Let's leave it there. Cool, man. Thanks for listening today. If you're someone who just found the show, I would encourage you to subscribe so you can stay up to date. If you're someone who's been listening for a while and enjoying what you're hearing, I would encourage you to leave a rating or review for the show. It would definitely help us out. And lastly, if you're someone who does take your fitness seriously and cares about your performance deeply, I would encourage you to look into hiring one of our coaches. Until next time, stay the course.